And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss a team that beat down the Toronto Raptors last night, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is April 21st, 2018. Yes, new phone. Who this? Same phone. This me. Yes, back here on the pod. Had to fire it up. A little playoff edition. I uh, hope everyone has been well, but... Yes, still following this basketball team and got all the hot takes, all the opinions. And joining me on the show is my main man, Rashad Mobley, who is still writing about Washington Wizards on truthaboutit.net. Go check him out. He has some great pieces up, but we chopped it up on this team. I had a lot to get out. Uh, Hope everyone enjoys it. And game four is Sunday. With me today... Is my main man, Mr. Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? I am feeling pretty good right now. It's a nice day outside, and uh, the Wizards are back in the series, so I have I have no complaints. Yeah, it's 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 a nice uh, Saturday. I haven't really experienced much of the outdoors. I, I know that we had to push back our time here. Uh, you had to be a you know father of the year. How was it? took the little man to the park? Absolutely, he's just learning how to be on the scooter now. So uh, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Safety third, we got we got some uh, helmets involved. Or oh, that's right, we have a teenage mutant ninja turtle hat. <laughs> Perfect. How was uh, how, how's he doing on the on the scooter? Uh, he's, he's he's getting there. He's getting there. Yeah. He's still trying to get balanced together. No, no fear. I'm sure. No, no. I mean, it's a lot when we can ride a scooter. <laughs> That's how it rolls. But uh, speaking of good uh, times, good memories, yeah, feeling a little good here. The uh, Washington Wizards, your Washington Wizards, defeated the Toronto Raptors one twenty-two to one hundred three on four twenty. Rashad, uh, you were there in your official capacities. I was there as a fan. And uh, before we get into this game, just your overall sense of what was it like inside the arena. It was. Uh, you know the team played really well, which which helped the crowd. But you could definitely tell that this team uh, was ready to uh, come bring it, uh, especially uh, in front of their own fans. You could, but let's let's not pat the fans on the back just yet. The attendance at the beginning of the game looked a little sparse, um, considering it was a playoff game. Everybody wasn't in their seat. Uh, several people commented and took pictures of how sparse it was, and so even for an eight p.m. start too. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a slow build, but once the by the time the second quarter started, everybody was in their seats, and it was a um, it looked like just a regular regular playoff game until Keith Morris kind of kicked it up with the with the physicality, uh, and then from there it just it just took off. Yeah, you know the Wizards had lost uh, game one one fourteen to one oh six in Toronto, game two one thirty to one nineteen. Coming back home, uh, it. In a weird way, Rashad, I felt, uh, just maybe your takes here on game one or two before we get into this one too, uh, I felt a little bit better after game two than game one. I thought game one, the Wizards 
kind of blew their chance. I mean, they, they were in that game. They led it half. Wall missed a ton of easy shots there at the end. Uh, Toronto just made a couple more plays. Game two, you know, they gave up 70 bazillion points in the first half. But, you know, they played pretty well, I thought, in the second half. They just kind of ran out of, some, ran out of gas. Especially Wall had brought it, and Beal and Gortat couldn't play worse than they did in Game Two. So I thought coming back home, you know, last year they were six and zero in the Verizon Center. I still want to say phone booth, but uh, I guess it's not even the Verizon Center. Capital One Center, I, I whatever uh, the vaults, whatever. Back at home, back in DC, Chinatown, uh, the Wizards, you know, played really well last year, and so I thought that you know, especially with John Wall. Uh, you know, coming back into uh, shape, coming back into top form from you know the missing the last couple months of the season before he came back the last couple weeks, that in a weird way I felt better about this team after game two than after game one. What were your thoughts of how game one and game two unfolded? I thought it was a, an extension of how the Wizards played at the end of the season, and that's why I didn't and a lot of people didn't feel optimistic about what they could accomplish because they looked sluggish, they looked you know, John Wall looked indecisive in terms of, I mean, despite his numbers in key moments, he was indecisive whether he wanted to score, whether he wanted to be a facilitator. And when he was a facilitator, nobody except outside of Mike Scott was really hitting shots consistently. And so when you combine that with the defensive effort, which, I mean, I don't know how many games in a row I went to in March and April where when they won, Scott Brooks would say, I'm happy we won, but I'm concerned about our defense. And when they would lose, he would lead with, we have to play better on defense. And so the first two games, I saw a team that was still inconsistent, that hadn't adjusted to Wall being back in the lineup and was playing terrible defense. And so I did not share your optimism after the first two games. In fact, I thought that they would maybe win game one, I mean, game three. And then I thought that they would kind of revert back to what they're used to. Um, and I still feel that way. I mean, I don't. I still don't see them winning tomorrow. I think uh, I, I just don't think they can sustain that level that where they were yesterday. And so after games one and two, I, I was just worried. And I'm, you've watched this team this year just like I have. They haven't done anything consistently this season except be inconsistent. Yeah, you wrote that. And wow, you've really put a dour uh, beginning to this happy podcast. Uh, <laughs> and even Kyle, uh, you know, weirdly Kyle was – Thought John Wall was not going to lose Game Three, so here me and Kyle, some of the most uh, crankier uh, blogger spheres guys in the Wizards allure, uh, were feeling good, even though we're down 0-2. I think it was just a matter of you were correct. I mean, they are the eight seed; they've underachieved. It was a slog of a season. Uh, I'm not really that sorry about not podcasting all year about it. Uh, you know, injuries played a little bit to it, but you know they were losing to the Suns and the Lakers before John Wall got hurt. Uh, you know, and they had a little blip where they played well without him and led to all these just horrible takes that they were better without John Wall, led to the Gortat tweet and all that jazz. But then they, you know, started to falter. And, and God, that Orlando, I mean, that Orlando game losing the way they did and, and not being able to, you know, play a banged-up Boston team uh, was just very defeating. And then you throw in some of the defensive effort they had, especially in games two, I can see where your negativity is there. But then they delivered the performance they did last night. Uh, impressive. You know, they got off to a slow start again for the third straight game. But then there was just some plays, some hustle energy plays uh, that I think really sparked the team and then just went off an offensive clinic from 
middle of the second, middle of the first quarter to the end of the third quarter, two and a half quarter stretch, this offense looked as good as it's ever looked and looked like a top five team, the one that we wanted them to be uh, all this year. What were your thoughts on, on how they really kicked it into high gear last night? Well, I'm, as I'm talking, there is a fight right now between uh, <laughs> Ben Simmons and James Johnson of the Miami Heat, and so I, if I'm and now Jawan Howard is in the middle, so my apologies if I'm a little frustrated or distracted. Now, uh, you're gonna have to ask your question again. That was uh, intense. <laughs> well, what, what, I know, and I got the Cavs game right here. They just killed off a penalty. Uh, I got I got two games going. Who's down? There's a Heat player down. I'll to maybe edit this out. Oh no, who cares? Just why? You know, why did we see this team just excel at the top form? You know, Beal hitting threes, Wall, Wall penetrating, Wall hitting the mid range. You got Ubre hustling, Gortat finishing. You know, guys flying all around. Especially, you know, deep transitioning from defense to offense, and just it was clicking in a way that we wanted this team to click. Uh, especially in that two and a half quarter stretch. Uh, last night that really put this game away? Well, number one, you know, I think that Beal was engaged. They made a conscious effort. As we all know, Scott Brooks said after the game, he didn't apologize to Beal for not getting him shots. He said it was his fault. He was being accountable for not running the right place to get him on track. And I think he made a concerted effort to get Beal going. And I think he, Wall and um, Brooks made a concerted effort. And Frankly, I didn't think Bill had this left in him after having to carry the Wizards for the bulk of the season without Wall. So that was the number one thing that got the Wizards going. If you remember during the regular season when the Raptors and the Wizards played, it was Bill who was just getting whatever he wanted. I believe he had 37 points one game. So when Bill gets yeah, and, and all the games without Wall, Bill there was a big win. They won in Toronto and then another game uh, at home where Bill played really well. Right. So, it, you know, number one, that was the biggest thing. And then Mike Scott has been consistent off the bench. But I think you have to look at Oubre. I mean, Oubre, whereas in earlier in the series it was Ty Lawson who was helping out and Sadoransky here and there. Oubre, for the first time since, I don't know, right before the last quarter of the season, is out of his slump and was hustling on both ends. And that just gives... The Wizards a whole different di- uh, dimension, especially when Otto Porter doesn't seem to be 100%. So, you know, as well as they played and as much as they won by, there are they can get better. I mean, Otto had eight. Marquise had just seven. You know, and Sadoransky and Ty Lawson really didn't do a whole hell of a lot. So there, there is still room for improvement. But to answer your question, when Wall and Beal are rolling like that, and particularly Wall, he's similar to Kelly Oubre in that the more points he scores, the more pissed off Wall gets, the more engaged he is on defense. You can see him kind of reaching around. Uh, that's not the best phrase, but you know what I mean. Reaching around to tap the ball away. Funneling, funneling the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's just he's jumping in the passing lanes. He's just fully engaged. And when that is happening, you know, the Wizards are just awfully tough to beat. Yeah, you wrote, you wrote your story, your game week back. Great, great job. And in your lead basically was that, you know, Wall and Beal showed up. They combined for 56 points, 28 points each. Uh, Wall was 12 of 23 from the field. Didn't hit a three, but his mid-range, I think he was 5 of 9 from mid-range. Uh, Beal was 10 of 19, 4 of 9 from threes. Wall had 14 assists, 6 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 turnovers, plus 12. Beal was plus 19. They combined for 40 points in the first half. And there was also, every time it felt, especially 
there was moments when you know the Wizards, Raptors go on a little run, kind of cut into the lead. Wall would just come down and hit a J, and then you'd see him come down and just be like, bam, engaged. And it was always those things about John Wall where a lot of people would get upset that he would take these, you know, mid-range jumpers and sometimes you know to the chagrin of any fans, and, and you'd be like. Well, you almost gotta have John Wall shoot those shots because one to keep the defense off of us, but also he mm-hmm. needs it for his own confidence because when he's shooting the ball pretty well, he's more engaged sometimes on defense. Who Wall? Yes. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think that's that's how he's built. And look, I, I complained about his defense earlier in the year. That might have had a lot to do with him not being in shape and. Ideally, I think he should be playing hard on both ends, regardless of how his offensive game is going. But when he's engaged on the offensive end, when he's scoring, when his jumper is going, and when he's getting to the line, he wants to play defense. I mean, you can see him. I mean, I I said this already, but I know that he's engaged when he's trying to steal the ball actively. When he's up on his man, as soon as they go by him, he's tapping the ball. That That's when you know he's engaged. When he's not, he's just kind of standing around playing free safety and, and looking around, and he's getting beat. He wasn't. He wasn't doing that last night. Yeah, the offensive but, rate. The offensive rate for Wall. Game one, he was ninety nine, one twenty five in game two, one twenty two last night. Beal one hundred six in game one, eighty seven in game two, one thirty two last night. And so, I didn't think Beal could ever play as bad as he did on both ends. I mean, there was that uh, photo, or I guess our clip that was you know making the rounds, which was helping all the narrative that the Wizards were a mess. Where Beal had his hands in his face on the bench and Gortat and, and Waller in an animated conversation, even though it's less animated than I've ever similar to what I've seen Wall say to every player, especially Gortat. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, your thoughts on that picture and that in that clip that kind of uh, got really popular online. I know you, you included it in one of your recaps. Which clip? Uh, or the one where Wall and Gortat are arguing about uh, defensive pickups. But which I went to an I went to the MLK Day game against the Bucks where they lost, and Wall literally was just yelling at Gortat way worse than that clip because he kept missing dunks, man. By the way, Gortat's offensive rating he was one eighteen in game one, zero in game two, one fifty three last night. Wall Wall got fed him in many times, but you know even Gortat we can get into Gortat it. Is I thought he was very active, not just uh, scoring and finishing, which he was eight to ten from the field, sixteen points, but also you know screen, screening the helpers. Uh, also, you know, I thought he defended the rim a little bit better than he has. Your thoughts? Yeah, he was. He was. That that was long overdue. I think one of the narratives that you were able to glean from game one and game two was that uh, Beal is tired, Gortat yep. needs to retire, and it looked like the game was just passing him by. And it's just amazing what a few screen and rolls will do. What, you know, <laughs> yes. Pass. Amazing when you when you think when you think you're going to get the ball. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Or shaving your mohawk too, right? Like Gortat got rid of his mohawk. Is that it? Right. Yeah. Uh, Brooks made a comment after the game. He said when when he was asked why Gortat played so well, he said, "Well, first he got an age appropriate haircut, which is pretty funny." <laughs> <laughs> so true. But I, so true. But again, he's no different than any other player. They're just more engaged when they're getting the ball. When they're getting the ball on one end, they're more engaged on the other end. And so I, I think that's what it was. And it's kind of the opposite for Otto Porter, who has not been getting the ball as much as he should. Hasn't been taking enough shots. Um, but we, you know, we can get into that later. But I think what I worry about is there's going to be a time 
in tomorrow's game when offensively they're struggling. There's going to be a time when Toronto is going to be playing much more intense defense and their shots aren't going to be falling. And you wonder, is that going to carry over? Are they going to be as engaged? Are they still going to play hard defense and do the dirty work until their offense comes into play? And I just, there's nothing that I've seen from this team, at least for an extended run this season, that tells me that they're able to kind of grind. You know, like, again, not to keep referring to this series, but I'm watching Miami and Philly. Neither one of those teams are playing offensively as well as they'd like to be, but they know they they can play well defensively. They know they can be engaged, and eventually it'll come. I don't know that the Wizards have that in them. They're front runners in that regard, and that goes back to the way Gortat plays, sometimes the way Wall plays. Um, there's just not an unselfishness. There's not an aggressiveness on, on one end of the floor when the other end of the floor is not working. That's that true. So, so basically, the, that clip of Beal hand in his face, Gortat and Wall arguing contribute to this narrative of what you just talked about, right? That, that Gortat needed benched. I thought that he did definitely needed benched. That Beal was pouty, which I thought he was in game two, especially on defense, it looked like he didn't even care. And that Wall, what, can't get along with his teammates or, you know, what that little punk uh, uh, for the Mavericks said about him earlier this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's fair. You can't glean anything from that because there, every team in the league has an instance where people are arguing on the sidelines, people are mad. Um, it's just that Bill has a reputation of being a little sulky ever since Whitman was here, so that kind of fed into that narrative. But I'm not going to glean anything. Or that from... he's t- he was tired too, right? That contributed to that. I mean, which seems stupid, but nah, I don't even think it was fatigue. He was he was playing horribly. He yes. really was. And uh, I I think so too. I, I just think I think that Wall is always hardest on Gortat. All, he always has been. He's always yelling him. I think that's part of the reason why Gortat really doesn't doesn't like Wall. I mean, they're not they don't really like each other off the court. But Wall, as point guards do sometimes, if you're out of position or they feel like you're not giving the hundred percent, they're going to get in your shit. And that's that's what Wall does. And it just so happens he has to do that with with Gortat more than often. But I mean, more often than not. But I didn't I didn't think anything of that particular. Uh, Scrum on the bench. Yeah, I mean, the first two games, Beal, I looked into the three-point shot. He was two of nine on open looks. And last night, he was three of six. You know, I mean, that 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 helped him going. But going back to this game, I thought a pivotal, and we, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I thought one of the pivotal stretches of this game where I saw the, really the energy of the crowd get into it, maybe because they were late arriving, uh, or the, the, and it just, where the Wizards took, part, took control of this game and never let up, was Ubre goes out of Baca for a dunk. Okay, he misses the dunk but gets fouled. Then Beal goes, gets a breakaway, he falls down, and probably should get called for travel. And all of a sudden, here comes Ubre hustling. He gets a dunk. And then all of a sudden, Ubre draws an offensive charge right after that. And then right after that, Ubre sets up a downscreen pick for Beal for a three. Uh, Mike Scott, uh, it was almost a dribble handoff play where the Mike Scott then just kind of boxes out his own guy. Beal gets an open look. From Ubre's, you know, good screen drills the three, and then they—that was a, where the Wizards took the the lead. And, it, and even later, uh, Ubre made a really nice block on uh, DeRozan because it's almost this thing where Ubre became at the end of the year, especially when his shot was struggling. He's like he wasn't really doing anything else. Like it's like he just all of a sudden became a one-dimensional three-point shooter because you know he shot pretty well to begin the season. But it wasn't any other contributions. You know, he had a couple maybe runouts in game two, fast breaks. But 
there wasn't other aspects of you know this athletic young guy that competes that we had seen until that stretch, and I thought it really turned around uh, the momentum of the game. Yeah, well, our our guy Troy wrote an article um, that I published just a little while ago where he said that it seemed like um, Kelly Oubre even said so after the game that he fed off the scrum that uh, Marquise Morris got in with um, Adebayo. So, you know, he he was on the bench. He saw that. He came into the game and was fired up. So I think that's that. I guess Keith Morris has a can claim responsibility for the way Kelly Oubre played. I mean, Kelly Oubre is a very emotional player um he's a very uh he's kind of a rhythm player and he lost all his rhythm and all his confidence at the end of the year and you could see it he was sulking a little bit when he was missing shots he would get to the bench and kind of kick himself and you know you just he just needed something to go right and i think that you know when he saw marquise morris get into that he was already fired up couldn't wait to get in the game and then as you said he got got some dunks got a few open shots and i'd also like to say at the end of the game even in garbage time he hit a couple. When he hit at least one three, and he and he looked like a confident player. The hope is that all this confidence that the Wizards have from top to bottom can be bottled up and carried into tomorrow. Because I guarantee you, DeRozan and Lowry will play a lot better. I guarantee you that the Raptors bench will be pumped up, and if they have their man Vanderbilt back, who's kind of the anchor of that bench, it's an entirely different team. And so I, I don't. If I was a betting man, and I am not. I'd bet that the Raptors are able to step up their play and play more like they did in one in game and two games one and two than the Wizards are going to come out with that kind of energy because then there won't necessarily be another fight or another scrum or anything like that. They could Beal could go back to missing shots and Wall could not, you know, he could go back to missing shots and you just you just don't know. Well, that's the thing about Game One and Game Two's defeats that was so concerning, I guess, from the negative side was that Lowry and DeRozan, the two stars, didn't play that well. I mean, DeRozan did have a big scoring output in Game 2, but if you actually looked at the plus-minus stats and some of the stats, they've been pretty average to below mediocre average. It was it was Adebayo, it was Miles, it was Ibaka, and it was, uh, what's his name, Wright. Those players were the ones that were killing them, and the Wizards were getting nothing from anyone on their bench aside from you know Lawson had that one good game, and then Mike Scott's been consistent, but then when you have Oubre and Morris, you know, Morris has played okay, and Oubre was a no-show, Gortat was negative, Bill was negative, and so it was almost like a combined effort of the Raptors uh, players, you know, CJ Miles really killed him, but last night, uh, you know, you had Ibaka, who was terrible, I, I thought that, that that was really maybe the difference, Ibaka had three points, his uh, offensive rating was 59 uh, defensive rating 130 compared to uh, he was plus 32 in game two offensive rating of uh, 107 and then 120. I mean, so just your thoughts on like how the Raptors kind of put together game one and game two, where like Lowry and DeRozan, who I thought you know Lowry and DeRozan, I thought pro- probably had two of their better games. I guess. I think Lowry probably had his best game. Last night, do you think? Uh, yeah, he, he played better I, I, than he had in other games, but he he still. Wall torched him though, I guess defensively. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He he had a, a solid game, but he just was not getting it done in, in crunch time. And you know, DeRozan, 
it's pretty it's pretty consistent. But they did not get that normal pop from their bench. And again, in fairness, they did not have uh, Vanderbilt playing. Um, Anobi didn't play as well as he had in, in the first games, and as Serge didn't. And then, I mean, let's face it, C.J. Miles didn't live up to his moniker as the Wizard Killer. He had, I mean, when the Raptors were trying to come back, he had three wide open three point shots that he just missed. He was one of five. Again, from, he was one of five from three last night, nine points. Right, and so I, I think, you know, I, I just think that they, they just had a bad game. They got caught up in the energy, and they did not have anything to hit back with. They, they, they just Dawn didn't Wright, careful. Dawn Wright had six points. I mean, even pa- Pascal Slocum got it. Uh, or was it Push? What's the other guy's name? Potoli? Jacob Potoli? I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Potol? Potol? Potol, I believe, yeah. Yeah. He got in foul trouble, I know. Uh, yeah, and, and you can almost tell that their bench, which has been the strength, and one of the things that I thought that would that the Raptors, you know, having such a successful regular season when it comes to playoffs, a shorter rotation, so the strength of your bench isn't as uh, important as it is in the regular season. That's just how it is. And, you know, but they got these random contributions the first two games that hurt the Wizards. Well, last night I felt that there was some nerves, a lot, there were some air balls by some of their bench players, some silly fouls. I think they're, you know, I think they got some youth. This is probably maybe the first time they've been on the road in the playoffs, some of them, and it really kind of showed. And I thought that was really a difference, aside from Ibaka just laying an egg. Well, no, I, I think if you look, if you paid attention to Raptors Twitter, a lot of them were very upset with the way Norman Powell was playing. Um, and I think a lot of people were also upset with, with Serge. It just wasn't aggressiveness there. And so, you know, people who follow the Raptors and who write about the Raptors know that the formula for Toronto not playing well is when, you know, DeRozan has a big game and no one else really steps up and then the bench kind of sags. So, but again, that hasn't happened very often this year where that perfect storm of things, a fact that happens for the Raptors. They, they usually are very much with it. Um, so, you know, I'd, let's say CJ Miles comes out tomorrow and is hot and Norman Powell is playing well. I just, you just want to see the Wizards to be able to counter. And let's, I mean, let's not sleep on the Wizards bench now. I mean, I, I, I mean, was Tomas, a, Tomas, I, I feel like, you know, he has, I look at the stats and he's had really bad stats, but he hasn't got that much run either. And I think he's been put in some weird situations. Yeah, you can't even judge his stats. He's not, yeah. he's no longer the starting point guard, let alone the backup point guard. <laughs> yeah. He's coming in and he is. He's coming in, what, like, as, like, the second or third wing, and he's not really having the ball. I think he's only really ran the offense a few times that I can remember, right? Right, so he's not he's not coming in in his normal his normal role, at least the role that he played through, through most of the season. So he's he's a little off. I mean, and for whatever reason, Scott Brooks has chosen. Well, when I when I talk to Ben Ben Standig, and if you read some of his work, he's basically saying that the Wizards do not have a lot of wing depth, and Scott Brooks was totally comfortable putting Sadaransky at a wing, which is part of the reason why they brought in another point guard. So they have that kind of flexibility, but. Sadoransky plays best, and his numbers are the best when he's running the team, whether it be for backup or as a starter. And well, if it know, wasn't for Sadoransky, this team would have probably missed the playoffs when Wall was gone. Let's be honest, right? I mean, that's that's one hundred percent true. And our very own the other coach on the other team, Mr. Dwayne Casey, said when the Raptors were in town during the regular season the last time, I believe it was in February or March, said that he was impressed and surprised that. Sadoransky was able to lead this team as well as 
he had because he really didn't he didn't know a lot about Sadoransky, but what he saw he didn't expect it. So, you know, he he is responsible, and that's why it was so kind of disheartening. Our man uh, Adam Rubin is the yes. number one member of the Sadoransky fan club. Oh, he's, he's the Thomas stand if there's everyone. I mean, geez. yeah, he was apoplectic, as were a lot of people when the first sub off the bench in Game One was Ty Lawson, but. Ty Lawson has played extremely well. I mean, he played better than he did in his last stint in the NBA. And now that Wizards bench looks looks pretty formidable because Mike Scott is off. You know, he's shooting well as he did all season. Oubre's playing well, at least for one game. And then you have Lawson and Sadoransky who, you know, they – well, Lawson right now. But what, I, what, I, what I'm concerned about is whether or not Thomas is like this, this mysterious benching or mysterious loss of time, which doesn't seem to be based upon performance. It's not like we were like, oh, my God, Sadoransky struggled so much, right? I don't recall that at all. It was more about can, how do we fit Sadoransky's strengths now that Wall's back, Right. And now he became to now where it's like he's an afterthought. And I, I find it bizarre. I think that he's uh, earned a right to play in the playoffs. I don't see any matchups with the Raptors, which means that, that you know, there needs to be some quicker little guard like Lawson. I, I feel like just he didn't play much in game one, which I thought was weird. And then Lawson had a good game two when the Wizards were getting their asses kicked. Uh, I, I do, what I do like about Ty that I've seen, and maybe you can, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts is, is that he's maybe just figured out his role. There's been a humbling. Uh, there's been, you know, hey, a little bit better spot-up three-point shooting. Still pushing the ball, but realizing that I'm not out here to try to create and make all these different things, but also finding shooters uh, and being more within himself and not really forcing stuff because he isn't the guy in trying to do something, you know, playing 30, 35 minutes and really accepting that type of role where sometimes that's always been a difficulty for certain players uh, that have been starters in the league as they transition. Or you know, or out of the league, for God's sakes. Look, he's not. As as we're as we're talking, I'm watching clips of Dwayne Wade, and you know, Dwayne Wade is at the point now in his career where he can't give you um, a plus effort every night. Similar to way when Jordan, when Michael Jordan was here with the Wizards, he couldn't give you that a plus effort every night because he just had too many miles on him. Ty Lawson can no longer be the guy, and I think during his last stint in the NBA, he was still looked at as a top-notch or expected to play like a top-notch starting point guard. Well, he's not anymore. But if you ask him to come in 15, 20 minutes a game, push the pace as he does here, hit spot-up threes as he can do here, as he can do in small sample sizes, then he's perfect. And so it's the perfect fit. So he's in a situation where he can kind of train his mind to say, okay, I am a support player, a supporting player. This is what they need from me. This is what I can do. And it's it's easier to do. I mean... I'm getting way off the topic. Yeah, I know. One of, one know. Of well, Adam Rubin's going to love this part of the podcast, but keep going. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the career that Vince Carter has right now, where yeah. he comes in, does his thing, and sits down, if he doesn't have it, the coach just won't play him again. That That's that's the kind of adjustment that veterans have to make, and I think Ty Lawson has made it again. Where This is a three-game sample size, so maybe we're overreacting, but he just looks more decisive, he looks quick, and that spot of shooting was an aspect of his game that I didn't know he still had. So that was that was good to it see. Was, it was also one that Allen Iverson never was able to do on the back end. <laughs> well, yeah. And again, uh, neither Vince Carter, well, arguably Vince Carter, but definitely not Ty Lawson, never got to the heights that Iverson did. Yeah, so that's true. Steep as a fall. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. No, but what is it about? I mean, okay. So Brooks is just like, okay, Ty Lawson had a good game too. So then now Sato's out. And now we're going with Ty Lawson, a guy that was in China that just didn't even debut instead of a guy that's been in your program uh, for two years and it shined and developed under your watch, especially when your back's against the wall without your, you know, lack of a better word, without your franchise player in John Wall. And Sato has done it in crunch time, done it in big moments. He's been ability to play off the ball and on the ball, run the team, way better shooter. He's ath- he's more athletic than people realize. Uh, you know, he won the dunk contest a couple of training camps some uh, training camps ago. What do you understand? I mean, I, I'm not I'm not as you know Stanish as Adam Rubin, but I'm also trying to look at this logically. Of what it is if it's not just he just doesn't like him. But let's even go back like he chose last year. They had how many point guards they brought in? They brought in they traded a pick for Frazier because they didn't believe in Sadoransky so much in the offseason, which we thought was weird. They brought in Ramon Sessions to play point guard again. He didn't actually take any time from Sadoransky because Sessions at this point is a one trick dry to the hoop pony. But what? What is it, Rashad? I, I don't have any answers. Is, is it personality? I, I don't. He doesn't seem to be a bad guy. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's bizarre. The only reason Sadoransky even got a chance to play is because Wall went down. Yes. Before that, buried on the bench. And even when those first few press conferences, it seemed like he was very reluctant. Tim Frazier was playing over Sadoransky. Yes. And he was very reluctant to say anything complimentary about Sadoransky, even when it was clear that he was poised and talented enough to be the starting point guard. And it's just odd that a coach who was the underdog point guard himself on a championship team and other teams would just be so reluctant to he praised or even say encouraging things about Sadoransky. And it just, it never seemed like he believed in him. And so when this playoff start and, you know, Ben can talk to me about wing wing depth and I hear that but it just it well, seems cool. like that's, this team that's, that's, but that's like that's ignoring well, the fact of what happened the last three months of the season you know it's not, it's not BS though when you consider at the end of the season Otto Porter was hurt he was very banged up and Kelly Porter was in a slump they didn't have any Oubre, reliable yeah. wing you know when Ubre was in a slump so I mean it, it's not far-fetched to think that, okay, well, we have somebody who has been playing well and who's 6'7", we can move him over there just to have him on the court. Now, I think it's a horseshit thing to say because he's a point guard. That's when he excels. That's that's what he does. You can't take a player who plays and thinks like a point guard and put him at the three position. He's not LeBron James. You just can't do that. And, you know, this team hasn't isn't suffering for it right now, but... You know, you you never know. I think in this particular matchup, Ty Lawson is perfect. So Saturday, he's played 32 minutes in three games. It's, it's, it's baffling how somebody's role can change. Ty Lawson's that. played 47 minutes. I mean, Ubre's played 72. Porter's played 88. I mean, I guess he's given wing depth. I don't know. And the granted, you know, Ubre, Sadoretsky's, you know, stats are bad. But, I mean, it's also... I don't of those thirty two minutes, how many are garbage time? How many times are him actually I mean like handful possessions in game ones and twos where he's running the offense? I mean I, I don't I don't remember any of it. now going back to uh let's talk about Otto Porter. What do you think he's still hurt? Oh definitely. He's definitely still hurt. He's he's playing through pain because these are big games and they need him, but he's he's not hundred percent. He he winces when he falls, it takes him a while to get up. 
Um, he's not defending as well as he normally does. I mean, he's 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 hurt, and but he was that's been pretty consistent the last bit of the season. Yeah, I mean, so but just... the, on the other hand, he's also not being focused, he's not being featured at all in the offense. I mean, at one point, I specifically had tunnel vision and watched Otto Porter on three different possessions, and in three different possessions, Wall came down went to the basket and scored. And then he went down on the pick and roll, found Gortat. And then the next time, he actually waved Otto Porter on one side and then called a play for Beal, and Beal got a ball curling off the screen. And each time, Otto Porter was just standing there wide open in the corner. You know, so, yes, he's hurt, but he doesn't need to be healthy to hit a spot-up jumper. As he showed in the third quarter during the run, he hit a three-pointer, and he did this thing where he, you know, holds his, a three down low to the ground as he runs back up the court. So he can't, he can't. His mid-range game is, is a little spotty right now because he's not a hundred percent. But he can still hit an open shot, and you know, he, 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 hit, said, two, he hit two oh, timely threes last night. I thought he did, but he can be doing. He, he's not taking a lot of shots, and he's not scoring as much as he should be, considering, you know, he's your, he should be your third option. You know, he should score a little more than just eight points, and he should be taking more than seven shots. But Scott Brooks always says. If we win, sometimes you're not going to be the main player. You're not going to be the main scorer in the game. All that matters is that we win, and I get that. But you're arguably your best three-point shooter needs to get the ball more, and it just it just wasn't his turn. So yes, he's hurt, but he's also not being featured right now, and that you know that's what his low numbers can be attributed to. Oh, I mean his offense is really bad. I mean this it's this it's a long story of how this, this stuff has worked, but it's like a point on offense and defense, and I've tweeted out a bunch of times, and right now he's in negative. He's actually positive. The only reason he's positive is because they have him positive on defense. And it's just weird to see that his, like, he right now is, like, the third, fourth, third worst, has the third worst uh, negative rating on the team when it comes to offense. Uh, only Ubre Sadoransky are worse, uh, which is bizarre. Uh, this is a total of three games. It's Based upon like possessions and points produced, uh, so yeah, I, I I do think that he that it is weird. It's like yes, there is some injury thing, but that's also at this point, man, you're out there. We can't have excuses. You're a young dude, you're making a lot of money. Uh, these games matter. Uh, I do think they need to get maybe get him going a little bit uh, early, and so just to take some pressure off of Wall and Beal, who are f- sensational. But you're correct. I mean, we can't expect them to play at elite levels all the time, right? Like they're gonna be cold like John Wall's not going to shoot that well from uh you know mid-range as well as he did last night okay but before we go one more one more point well we have two left we have to talk about these altercations all right so you mentioned the, the Keith and uh OG Obanobi how do you pronounce his name Adobe I, I, I think it's Adobe I, I think it is I just say let's just call it OG it's like when I say Giannis because I can't pronounce his last name uh you know, there, I think it was a couple minutes into the game. He pulls, he pulls him down. Anobi, yeah, Anobi. He pulls him down. Keith gets up, gives him a little chicken wing. Uh, then they start pushing. Then Keith and Abaka push. Uh, I think that they just did. They get a double technical. I think Keith just got technical. Uh, the ref jumped in there, and you know, at that point, I thought maybe Keith's, you know, mind. I know he goes, he'll just space out, and get another technical or foul out. But luckily, he he cooled. It out, but it set this tone for the next one, which was then 
at this point, Gortat takes a charge on uh, uh, Giannis, or Jonas, and then Jonas says, so Beal's trying to get the ball from him, and then that tussle happens. I see, I'm in line uh, to get a beer here, by the way, when this happens, and <laughs> I see it up, up there, but then all of a sudden, it kept going, and then the the TVs in the concourse don't stop showing the replay, and you can just hear the crowd escalate, so of course, I run to uh, see what was going on, I'm talking to some ushers, well, at this time, the, it, the altercation has now expanded, and now we got John Wall and Ibaka going at each other. Uh, John Wall throwing his uh, usual gang signs, I guess people on the internet like to say. Uh, I just, you know, he goes down with his fingers. I don't know what that is. Maybe you could, you know what he's, they're talking about. I saw it on Reddit, but uh, Abaka freaks out. Like, Abaka looked like he wanted to fight him. He's trying to go through three people. Wall keeps talking. They get a double technicals on them. I believe it was just a Wall, wall had technical. I don't know. At this point, uh, the score is 82-72. to 72. Your thoughts uh, on this? Also, during the Wall, Abaka, Fistipakas, uh, a Tupac song uh, was playing. Uh, during this replay, then, now the fans are getting into it. They're st- they start chanting USA. I'm like, oh, gosh. I was like, you know, you know, I get a little, I get, t- I get a little embarrassed when the, the jingoistic start- stuff starts uh, breaking out. And then the Wizards... PA guy goes into Springsteen, born in the USA, which got the crowd going, and then I believe you tweeted it, uh, they went into Dope Man by NWA. What, what, Tupac, Bruce, and Dope Man. I mean, what a, what a combo there. Plus one on the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the guy wrote it in the audio there at the, at the arena. Your thoughts on all these fistcuffs and then how the whole music or that whole mood. Describe it for the people, because it was quite something. Number one, I don't. I don't know why Todd Dobbins, another person we write with who works with Sports Capital, always says likes to bring up that when "Born in the USA" is played, it was never meant to be a a rallying cry. It was meant to bring attention to how troops are treated. Correct. And actually, the lyrics actually talk about that. Actually, <laughs> right. So I mean that that's just that shows an ignorance. Number two, the USA chance. Just because the team is based in Canada, nobody on that damn team. Is, is is from Canada, you know? So it, it was just, it was just so dumb. Dad. I mean, it just, it just made me angry. I mean, the know, player uh, involved is from Lithuania, <laughs> right? And so you're gonna start, you start screaming USA. I could really go into who I thought was doing that and why, but I'm not going to. But the point is, Trump fans. I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> go back to the first, the first fight after the Marquise Morris. Anobi fight, Marquise Morris was out for blood, and he didn't he didn't come out of the game right away. And the next time down the court, he pushed Anobi, and then the time after that, he was he tried to kind of align himself for retaliation. So I even tweeted that I was worried that um, Morris was going to get himself thrown out of the yeah, game. Yeah, we've seen it before, right? I mean, because right. he was actively, you know, that that's how he is. Once he gets into an altercation. He doesn't stop. He keeps going. He's gonna. Whether it's at a player or the refs or a coach, right? I mean, he just he doesn't right. have to chill once it's engaged. But keep going, oh. yeah. But he, you know, he got in foul trouble and had to sit down. And then by the time he came in, Cooler has prevailed. But the 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 Beal thing. Look, how many times have you been watching basketball? A player gets called for a foul. They disagree with the foul that was called for him, and rather than give the ball back to the ref. 
they hold on to the ball for a little bit and or they walk towards the ref or they're still complaining. So initially, Valanchunas didn't like the call and was holding the ball. Um, and Oh, Bill was the antagonizer, I thought, in this. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and so Bill was trying to get the ball, and he really didn't have to do that. He could have just gone to the ref, but he kept jumping on him, kept trying to get the ball. And he justifiably, he got a technical. I mean, he tried to act incredulous. Maybe they called a foul. I don't remember. But he tried to act incredulous afterwards, but he was 100% guilty. Well, the whole thing is, even if he gets the ball, you got to get the ball back to the ref or to somebody else, and you're not even the guy that's going to be the point guard, probably. So why are you even trying to get the ball, right? It's like... <laughs> right, that, that was a little ridiculous. But then I don't know what Wall said to... to uh, well, let's see, we got a quote. We got a quote here. Wall said afterwards, I was just telling him to get his hands to Ibaka, get his hands out of people's faces. He was just pointing at everyone's face. I was just yelling at him to get his hands out of people's face. He went into a little rage. It's the playoffs. We're down 0-2. We're just being aggressive. Uh, fight. But if my teammates get anything, I'm trying to back those guys up, play a physical, aggressive game, just try to come out here and set the tone and get a win. Beal even said, made a joke I saw about, you know, Wall, because they asked him about his thing and then how Wall's, you know... Wall likes that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying it. That's what he said to Abaka at all. That's the I'm in front of the podium. Yeah, like yeah, like why does Abaka? He didn't. He said some more than than Abaka wanted. Like Abaka was trying to go through like three dudes, right? Including John Wall's bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John Wall's bodyguard. That's like his second time on the court. Actually, there's a photo I have of it, and there he's even like quoted in the caption. I'm like, wow, who knew that that. Uh, Marcus Smart and then the Jay Crowder stuff from last year has really elevated his uh, name into into photos. They're actually naming him on photos. Uh, but then you wrote about this, and and I think you're correct. Is that so? It was 82 to 72 after they hit the technical technical, and the Wizards go on a 16 to four run. Uh, close end up closing out the quarter uh, after that 101 to 82. Pretty much. And then the fourth quarter was, uh, you know, they just kind of protected the lead, made a couple big shots. I thought Mike Scott hit the dagger there at the end, and they went to red flag, white flag. I thought another crucial thing I want to mention too. Uh, I thought the Wizards were so aggressive that they really got the the, Wiz- the Raptors in foul trouble. So even when their offense was struggling a little bit, they were able to get the Raptors in the penalty, and so they got they were getting some free throws. Uh, just not even on shooting fouls, just kind of being over aggressive. That, that really allowed them to continually uh, put this game and control it. Your thoughts, but, but going back to what I mentioned about how that altercation happens, and you, sometimes you see that thing go the opposite way, where it fire up the opponent. Uh, it seemed to really um, not do much for Toronto and just excel uh, the Wizards to, to take a grip back on this game. Well, Brooks mentioned that after the game. He mentioned that. He was a little frustrated because he said we didn't need that. He said we were up, we were playing well, we had the momentum, yep. and we didn't need any consequences from a fight. And so they were, at that point, they were the Wizards, the Wizards were rolling. And, you know, they, I can understand in the first quarter when you need a little something to kickstart yourself, but at that point, they they clearly were the team with more energy, and, and, they, and they didn't need that, uh, any added spark from a physical matchup. I, also, I do think I, I, I do to, think that the yeah, wall feeds on that type of altercation. You could just see it, you know, the way he was pumping up the crowd after that, and the way he was so demonstrative uh, after he made a good move. I think that Wall, much like Keith Morrison and Ubre, kind of feeds off that kind of the altercation, that kind of physical confrontation. 
Yeah, I agree. Also, I have to mention Lowry rocked Beal in the head on a breakaway. Uh, he was given a flagrant one foul on that. What's your thoughts on that? Did they even show that replay for you? Oh, they did. They showed it numerous times. I don't look. Lowry's not a dirty player. Yeah. I think that if you've ever played pickleball and you see somebody going up for a shot and you kind of wildly swing at the ball, thinking you're going to get a a block from behind, and you, just catch, just a, you, catch, you catch an elbow on accident sometimes, right? Right. I mean. Bill was furious with the ref. He never once maliciously went after Lowry. He was mad at the ref for not, you know, initially calling him. So I didn't. I thought that was a. I mean, the fans act, you know, acted like the worst thing ever had happened. But again, in that instance, Lowry does get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. All right. Well, let's transition to Game Four here. Uh, the Wizards at uh, six o'clock Sunday. I'm gonna try to get this podcast up so everyone can listen to this tonight or tomorrow morning uh, as you're getting ready for. A decisive game here once again. I mean, the Wizards can either get back in this 2-2 or, you know, 3-1 is a pretty big hole to uh, climb out of, especially when two games would be on the road. Your thoughts going into game four here, Rashad? I think that the – I'm going to sound like Doug Collins here. But the first five minutes of the game are from Toronto are going to tell me a lot. If, if in the first five minutes it's one of those things where – Everybody is hitting their shot. If Serge steps out and hits a three, Balanchunas hits a three. If uh, DeRozan airballed two threes last game, if he's shooting a three and it goes in, the Wizards are going to be in trouble, and they're going to need to match that energy. Um, because as much as as well as they play, as well as much as they were engaged yesterday, Toronto turned the ball over a whole hell of a lot, and some of it was the Wizards' defense, but some of them were self-inflicted wounds. And if they minimize on the self-inflicted wounds, and they're shooting well, it, it turns into game one all over again. So, I, again, I sound like a downer here, but I just, I'm betting on the Raptors to play better more than I am the Wizards to continue this because, look, Beal is tired, regardless of what he did last night. He is tired, and this is a, this will be the quickest turnaround so far this series. So, you know, I, I, I expect the Wizards play to come down, um, and if somebody who didn't step up in Game 3 can step up in Game 4, um, somebody like Otto Porter or maybe Lawson or Sadoransky off the bench, they can offset that. But if I had to make a prediction, I, I think the Wizards are going to lose, uh, and they're not going to play as well as they played last night, and they're going to go down 3-1 going back to Toronto. Well, I was looking for a negative prediction, but, yeah, you gave it to me. I think, I think you're right in the sense that... I mean, that was a high, man. I was high. I came back, started ripping on all sorts of people, calling people out. You know, the the Toronto Raptors, their media and their fans, like they won their first game one in the history of their effing franchise, and now they played really well, shot well in the first half against the Wizards. You know, a one seed winning two games at home somehow got them in the NBA Finals. I mean, you should have seen the, the type of things that were being written about them. I mean, I got Jalen Rose t- talking shit, J- McGrady. Hell, even a Wizards fan on uh, Albert the Rights for Deadspin was just right all sorts of trash. And I was like, can we at least play a home game? They're, we're the 8th seed. Now, granted, all you're bitching about the Wizards, I agree. I mean, they're 42-40, had a disappointing season, no doubt. But this is a team that has played well at home. This core has played well in the playoffs. How many times has this core got pumped out in the playoffs? Like, not really. I mean, they made it the second round. You know, they lost a game seven on the road. You know, even with their backs against the wall in Indiana, they came back uh, and won to force a game six. You know, so you, 
this team, especially with this group, has been together, hasn't really flamed out in the playoffs. And so I thought that there was a, a level of confidence with them. Now, the consistency part and the rotations part, and can Scott Brooks uh, you know, pull the right punches? And I don't know. I, I still think, even though uh, Scott Brooks, you know, because the main question was whether or not they were going to go small here for game, game three, which they did not, and Gortat rewarded him. And Gortat got going a little bit, and like I said, he you know he made some more positive plays uh, than I than just just rolling to the basket and finishing. But I still feel going to small with Scott uh, is the best lineup for them. I even think Mahimi made should play a little bit more than Gortat. Uh, I thought Mahimi's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, he's been protecting the rim. I thought he's been showing energy on block shots and finishing a lot better at the at the rim and. Uh, around the thing. So I think that there is an adjustment of this team, Rashad, like coming down from the high that I had. You know, I was talking all sorts of shit this morning. I was feeling good, still feel good. But how can they bounce back? And I think that you're correct that we'll have this. We can't expect Wall and Beal to play as well as they did. So they're going to be come back. They still have to play at a high level. But you're right. Like someone else has to step up for this team in order to win. I do think that it's going to come down to a five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know. Talk about talk about some Doug Collins analysts right there. Whether or not and can this team pull out some of those clutch plays, hopefully with the crowd. Uh, and also, I think another pivotal thing is whether or not uh, Fred Van Fleet plays for them, and whether or not he's at full uh, health. I was listening to a Raptors podcast last night. Uh, and they were mentioning how, you know, yeah, they have this great bench, but it really was him a lot there, you know, that they were worried. Uh, they also were, were worried about some of their defensive uh, pick-and-roll coverages uh, that Wall was just killing them on some side pick-and-rolls similar to what happened to him, you know, 2015. Uh, so I feel that the Wizards going to come back. I feel the crowd and the energy, and they're going to make the plays, and it'll be 2-2 headed back uh, to Toronto. So, I'm you know, of course, I'm optimistic, positive pixels. Uh Rashad, any any last thoughts on the on this thing? I, I also have to mention uh, Beal's brother was uh, wearing a, an old Beal jersey. It looked like a Wizards blue jersey. It, looked, uh, it, it, it kind of reminded me of a lot of Cron Butler jerseys in the crowd. Uh, also, Troy mentioned me that his uh, girlfriend might be pregnant. So there you go. There's some uh, and Beal even hit a three once and looked right at his brother. And I was like, ah, yeah, man, he's engaged uh, in the first half. So there's some, there's some little nuggets from that. Uh, anything else you got? Uh, any, any, any? Are you going to be at the game? I guess. I guess. Tell him. Oh, go to Truth About It. Read his stuff. Read uh, Troy stuff. There's some good, good, good things on there. I really liked. Uh, I'm going to close out uh, what you said. Uh, the Wizards and the Wall and Beal have been widely consistent this season, so to assume that this victory translate into another victory on Sunday in Game Four would be quite presumptuous. But at least for one night, Game Three. Wall and Beal turned their attention away from Lowry and DeRozan and the Raptors at whole and returned to the forum that had them and others having visions of an Eastern Conference Finals grandeur. Uh, do you... So you're still limited on how this can go forward. Any any, any final thoughts here, Rashad, before we go? I, I, I wonder... I don't think the Wizards are going to win another game in this series, and I'm very curious to see how... How that plays out. The front office reacts to what would be a disappointing loss, regardless of what happened in the regular season without Wall and the nagging injuries. You were at full strength, and assuming this happens, you lose in five games to a team that does not have as much talent as you. I'm I'm just very curious to see how what the reaction is. So, 
Um, I don't, you know, I, I write about the team, but I'm a fan. I don't want that to happen. But yeah, well, you know what's gonna happen. I, I think nothing, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think this is. I you think, think it's different? different. I've written, I've seen, and I've read articles uh, by Michael Sykes and Bulls Forever and other people about how standing pat is not such a bad thing because when this particular team maximizes their talent. They're one of the best teams in the East, but I think it's just a hard pill to swallow when you lose to a team that you should not be losing to and you flame out in the playoffs. Well, I think that that's... Well, we're, shot, we're, also, we're also capped out. We're, we have the fifth most payroll in the league, not much flexibility. I mean, they would have to maybe give up an asset to move some of the salary. And I think that regardless of what happens... That you just can't have Mihini and Gortat making thirty million for the third straight year on your roster. I mean, that's just freaking stupid. Don't you think? Well, again, that's that's why I'm so serious <laughs> about what's going to happen because I'm just I'm I'm so yeah. That's that's my final thought. I'm I'm curious. I want them to advance, but if they don't, I want to see if they just try to sell us on we're going to get the band back back together and come back as is, or what they're going to do because it's not an easy. If they're going to tweak this team, oh, I don't, I don't think so either. And oh, right as we get off, the Washington Capitals now just scored. They're up two to one, Rashad. That's what I'm talking about. Look at this, Ted. Just, just we're bashing, bashing your team while your other one uh, goes forward. Now you're correct. I mean, I, th- I think that's a podcast for another time. They'll come up, and I got a lot, a lot of thoughts on that. I don't want to uh, down that, but yes, I mean, it's kind of like when. I always it's so disappointed in the season. I'm so disappointed about how this team is made up. You look at the Raptors. Jerry Brewer wrote a great, great piece I recommend in the Washington Post, comparing the Wizards and how the Raptors, you know, built cheaply and got all these cheap assets, and how they got this development and you know, ch- rechanged how they played and everything. Where the Wizards pretty much just spent money on some of their best players or traded picks to get get guys and give them money, uh, and how that different. Has you know development has played out, and the Raptors had you know what they win sixty games or fifty nine, and, and, and the was you know had one of the best seasons regular seasons ever, and the Wizards did not. I still think that's all true, regardless of what happens in the next couple of games, don't you? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying like how the Wizards have failed at building a team around, and how the Raptors, on the other hand, have all these cheap young assets that they've developed. I mean, I still think that's true, regardless of what happens here in the next couple of games. Yeah, I mean, you can say that, but I mean, the, the last time Toronto and the Wizards played, uh, Dwayne Casey was on the verge of getting fired. Yes, yes. Know? So they, because both he and Whitman were on the hot seat, and Casey was able, was, was given an opportunity to kind of rebuild on the fly, and they did, but I mean, let's, I don't want to have revisionist history too much because Toronto was where the Wizards are, and you know what? If they don't get out of this series, they're, they're going to be, Worse than the Wizards are because heads are going to roll. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's what, that's why I feel that some of the grave dancing that the Wizards are. I'm sorry, Toronto media, national media, Raptors fans, is because if they lose Game One, can you imagine the freak out there, right? So they don't lose. They don't lose Game One, and then they looked really good in Game Two in the first half, and so then all of a sudden they're like, it's all. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it was almost like, oh yeah, we are this good. Instead of being like, hey, they lose game two, they go to game five, the Wizards have a lead in the second half, do they get tight? Right? Do they do all those demons from the past? Or is it just uh, the Wizards, you know, do the Wizards just crap the bed? So, I don't know, we'll find out. That's where I think they're at. I don't think that has gone away because they, 
you know, won a couple games at home against the Wizards. I think that that's still there, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely there. And and you're right. Yeah. So I think the pressure is more on them. But then there's also the disappointment pressure of the Wizards, where what is it? Like if the Wizards show out, like say they lose in six games, or say they push it to seven, then there's no changes, or they flame out in five, which you you correct, and I think that there's still a chance that I see a large, I would say a large chance. I don't want that, but I think that still is a likely scenario. Uh, then does that mean there'll be changes with the Wizards? I don't know, right? <laughs> It'd be hard to tell. All right, Rashad. Of course, uh, Columbus just scored, so that's how it is. It's two to two. But thank you, uh, for everyone, for listening. I'm gonna have this up. We'll be back. Thank you, Rashad, for taking your time out of your uh, busy family day to uh, wax it. Are you be at the game? No. No, no. I'll be watching. Be watching. Okay, me too. And then maybe we'll maybe we'll fire this up next week whenever something happens. Thanks, buddy. All right, no problem. All right, man. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. And as always, F Canada. No. Go Wizards. Peace out. From the first to the last of it, delivery is passionate. The whole and not the half of it, forecasting aftermath of it. Projectile and I'm blasted away. Accurate assassin shit. Me and Quali close like Bethlehem and Nazareth. After this, you be pressing rewind on top of your master. This shining like an asterisk for all those that you gather. Connecting like a red house from the townhouse to the tenements. Cause all my Brooklyn residents don't let heavy regiments. Don't believe, hear the evidence. We're Brooklyn. See that? Buy the ticket all, can't believe that. From where they send the tree at to where the police react. Tell them quality, equality, you tell them what we be at. Brooklyn, New York City, where they paint murals of Biggie and Cash. We trust, cause this ghetto fabulous life look pretty. What a pity, blunts are still 50 cents. It's incense. Street sense is dominant, can't be covered with incense. My presence felt my name is Polly from the eternal reflection. People think your MC is your hand for misconception. Let me meditate, set it straight. Came to the conclusion that most of these cats is featherweight. Let me demonstrate, walking the streets is like battling. Be careful with your body. You must know karate and think your soul is bulletproof like Jade. Stop acting like a bitch already. Be a visionary, and maybe you can see your name in the column of obituaries. Third grade teacher reading and talking about. I knew he'd amount to nothing. Neighbors like he was the quiet type. Who'd have thought they was fronting? Talking loud like you in RCA. Get carted away with body parts and trays. What a way to start your day. Yo, it's like one, two, Keep on making it, Brooklyn keep on taking it So relax with the game and back Red Hook where we're living at Plenty guys we struggling and hustling and bubbling It ain't about production and what is we discussing When the cock crows, my crop grows And they want me to rock flows Driving for perfection ever since I was a snot nose Colossal, true original, we were apostle Standing on the rooftop with the Zulu Gestapo You think you the shit, somebody in the wings will force you to quit It could be your crew or click, or some random kid you smoke Buddha with Consider me the entity within the industry Without a history of spitting the epitome of stupidity living my life expressing my liberty you gotta be done properly my name is in the middle of equality people follow me and other cats to hear them flow and assume i'm the real one with the lyrics like i'm Cyrano. still sipping with your well 
water imported from Pluto. 360 milliliters for all the believers and miles of kilometers. Most cats cannot proceed us in the jungle with the leaders. We the lines, you the cheaters. I'll cycle. We'll complete us as we come through your receivers. You can play us and repeat us and then take us on Marita. Good Jesus. Most definitely quality just make a pussy freeze up. Think it over, ease up. One, two, three. 